listening to audio from Faith Church, located on the north side of Indianapolis. If you'd like to check out more information about our church and ministry, please visit faithchurchindy.com. Let's all now stand for the reading of God's Word from the book of Acts in the New Testament, chapter 8, beginning with verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he passed through As he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Pastor Bob Blonick. My wife, Jean, and I have been attending here about 18 years. I retired from the pastorate here at Faith. I used to have Jeff's job. And the two young eagles, Jeff and Joey, are off somewhere today, so the old buzzards, Bob and Tom, are running the show this morning. We may not let them back. As I look back over the last 46 years of my life, there are two days in particular that really took me to a deeper level in my faith with God and understanding his role in my life and my role as he called me on mission to serve him. The first was April 21st, 1986. Although I had grown up in the church all my life, I didn't accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior till I was 27 years old as a businessman in Iowa. I had never read the Bible. I had a lot to learn about my new faith, and I especially had to learn how to share my faith 
with other people, and Christian Businessmen's Committee was very helpful in me doing that. Gene and I started attending a Bible church, and for the first time in my life, I actually read the Bible, and I actually started to understand it. The pastors in my church saw some leadership abilities in me and decided they wanted to disciple me. And one of the ways they wanted to disciple me was in the area of evangelism, how to share your faith. And so our church at that time had a program that some of you may know of, some of you may never heard of. It was called Evangelism Explosion, Dr. Kennedy's Church from Florida. How many of you knew about this? Or It's an old one. Okay. It was a method where you had to learn an outline. I mean a long outline. And you had to memorize a lot of scriptures. And you had to have a lot of illustrations. And what we would do is we would meet at the church on Tuesday nights, and they would put us in teams of two. One of us was the trainee, one was the trainer. And we would go out, and back in those days, we would do cold calls at apartment doors. You can't do that anymore. You might get shot. Um, so we also went and visited people who had visited our church and asked for a visit. And so on a Tuesday night, that was our job. We would go and share, and then we'd come back and critique it. Our trainer would critique how we did, and then we'd pray. <clears throat> well, this particular night, April 21st, 1986, was my night to share the outline for the first time. I mean, I was sweating bullets. I mean, I was going to be critiqued by my trainer. And, you know, you had, to, you had to memorize it. You had to work through it. So we went to the home of a younger single mom who had visited our church. And we had called and asked if we could come. She said yes and came to her little apartment. It was just a small little apartment with a kitchen table. And, and then over here was a living room with a TV. Down the hall were her bedrooms. She graciously invited us in. We sat at the table. She gave us something to drink. And it was my job now to present the outline. And I'm scared to death. I'm more worried about sharing the outline than I am about her salvation right now. And uh, on the TV, on the couch, is her teenage son with his girlfriend watching TV while I'm trying to give the presentation. You probably don't remember, but April 21st, 1986, was the night that Geraldo Rivera opened up the tomb of Al Capone. 30 million people are watching this show over here while I'm trying to lead this woman through the gospel. Halfway through, we all stopped because he opened the tomb. <laughs> Empty tomb. You think I would have thought to use that? but it wasn't in the outline. And so I, I completely lost my place. I didn't know what I was saying. I messed up the last half of that presentation. And I kind of got to the end. I can't remember what I said, but I looked at this woman. I probably said something like, there's probably no way you want to accept Jesus Christ tonight, is there? And she began to cry. And she asked that the TV be turned off. She said, could you help me do that? And for the first time in my life, God used me to lead another person to Christ. I'd never done that before. And he taught me a big lesson that night. It wasn't my ability to do it. It was just my responsibility to share my testimony and the gospel. And it was his responsibility 
to bring that woman with Christ. And I walked out that door flying like an angel, rejoicing, because God had done it in spite of my failures. And in God's grace over the last 46 years, he's let me do that hundreds of times with people. There's no greater feeling on earth than to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit when he draws one of his own into the kingdom of God. Evangelism is hard. We've been commissioned. You and I have been commanded by Christ to go and make disciples. Why aren't we doing it? Why do we struggle so hard with sharing our faith? Why do we struggle so hard with sharing our faith with our family, our friends in the neighborhood, the kids at school, the people we work with, the strangers at the grocery store? Why is it so hard? Why aren't we doing it? Well, we're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of failure, of messing it up. Maybe we're afraid that they're going to ask tough questions about the Bible that we don't have the answers to. Or maybe we simply don't know how to do it. We've never been trained. We've, we've never been pushed to show how to do it. In our passage today, Luke is going to remind us of the ABCs of kindergarten evangelism. He's going to take us back and show us what are the basics of evangelism. So let's jump into our passage. It's on page 1089 in the Black Bible. It's on page 50 in your sermon journals. We've seen Philip the last two sermons from Pastor Joey and Jeff. We learned that he was one of the seven back in chapter 6 who was chosen to minister to the widows and orphans, and then we saw in chapters 8, the last two weeks, that he went to Samaria, shared his faith. We're going to learn months down the road when we get to chapter 21, I think that's going to be in about 2035 at the pace we're going, but we'll get there. He's called the evangelist, Philip the evangelist. So we can learn something from this guy. Up to this point, we've seen mass conversions in the book of Acts. Peter People repent and be baptized, and they do. And then Philip with the Samaritans. Samaritans, and, and, but now he's going to shift, and Luke's going to share three individual conversions. Today, the Ethiopian, then Saul, and then Cornelius in the next couple of weeks. He's going to share with three basics of evangelism. Those three basics are go, know, and show. Very simple. Go, know, and show. And we're going to look at know first in verses 26 to 29. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Luke often uses that phrase to speak of how the Spirit leads people. The angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go, circle that word go, toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Wow. Right where we are today, Gaza. This is a desert place. Certainly is this week. Gaza was about 50 miles south of Jerusalem, 2,500 feet down to the coastline. It was the southernmost city of the five Philistine cities. And 
he tells Philip to go, and that's the same word that Jesus uses in the Great Commission, go and make disciples, and it's in the present tense. It doesn't just mean go on a trip. It means as you are going, as you are going through life, I'm going to use you, Philip, to share the gospel. It was a desert place. He didn't know where he was going. It could be a dangerous place. I wonder, I wonder which desert place God wants you to go to this week. I wonder who you know that's living in a desert, who's thirsty for Christ, wants to know God. Maybe he's going to send you to a desert place. Verse 27, he arose and went, he obeyed. And there was an Ethiopian, that is a person from Africa of different skin color. He's crossing racial lines. He's crossing cultural lines. An Ethiopian. And they describe him first as a eunuch. Now that word can be taken two ways. It can be taken as a keeper of a king's harem, or it can mean simply a political or military uh, position. And that's how I take it, because it says that he was a court official of Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. I mean, this guy's high up in the, he's the treasurer of the nation of Ethiopia. It said he had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go, circle that one again, go over and join this chariot. So not only did he send him on a general mission, now he says, this is the guy. This is the one I've sent you to. The Jews back then would have called this man a half-proselyte because he was a Gentile, but he was worshiping the God of Israel, Yahweh. And he had been in Jerusalem at the temple, not the inner courts, but the Gentile court probably, and he'd been there worshiping, and now he's returning back to Ethiopia. And he's obviously a very important, rich person because he has a chariot. Now, we're not talking about the Ben-Hur military chariot. We're talking about just a regular nice wagon, a limo. And uh, he's, he has his own possession of a scroll of Isaiah, which cost a lot of money back then. So this is a pretty important person that God has picked out for Philip to talk to. Our church is currently going through a program called Evangelism Shift, E-Shift. It's a three-year program we're going through. Joey's been talking about it the last couple of weeks. Last year, the E-Shift trainers came in and worked with 50 of us in the church and taught us how to learn to share our own faith. And then this year, we're now going to be sharing it with you in small groups. And I'm going to talk about that in just a few minutes and how you can sign up for one of those groups. But they had a word in there I'd never heard before. I really appreciated their teaching. It was the word sentness, S-E-N-T-N-E-S-S, that every day we are sent into our world to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's our sentness. And that really clicked with me. That every day, when, I mean, you, you probably already have your calendar. You looked at what you're doing tomorrow. You've got tomorrow kind of planned out. And, uh, but guess what? That's your plan. God's plan 
is that he has individuals already picked out tomorrow for you to go to. He's sending you to them. And they could be the one he wants you to share the gospel with. So we have to, we have to keep that basic of evangelism, that we're always on mission, that wherever we go, we're sent by God. It's not a coincidence. People that come into our lives, even the guy who cuts you off in the car and you yell at, he was sent there. <laughs> and we need to change our opinions of these people and see them as people who need the gospel. For the first thing we need to do is we need to go. The next thing we need to do in the next few verses is we need to know. Go over to his chariot. So Philip, and I love this, Philip meandered over the chariot. No, he ran. He ran to the chariot because he was on mission. Now he heard the Ethiopian reading out loud from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 53, verses 7 to 8. Because in those days, that's how you memorize scripture. You said it out loud, and you kept repeating it, and that's how you memorize it. So here he's reading this, and he gets to verse 20, 30, and he says, do you understand? Circle that word. Do you know what you are reading? Do you understand? That's what you have to find out as you share your... That, that's a very important point of evangelism. Find out what the person believes before you dump on them what you believe. What are your beliefs? Do you believe in God? Do you believe there's a heaven and hell? What, where, where are you coming from? Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? That's you. That's me. We're called to be guides of the gospel to guide people to faith. We don't bring them to faith. We, we don't change their heart, but God just wants us to bring it, the gospel to them. He invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of the scripture he was reading was this from Isaiah, Isaiah 53. It's from the suffering servant passage of scripture. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth, and his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation for his life is taken away from the earth? And the eunuch says, about whom, I asked, does the prophet say this is? About himself or about someone else? Philip knew it was about Christ. Jesus Christ used this passage in the upper room at the Last Supper to describe himself to his disciples. So we know this is a messianic prophecy. This is about Jesus, and Philip knew that. So what's Philip going to do? This man's reading from Isaiah. He's wondering who this is. Is he going to stop there? Like we do? He knows the gospel, but he's just going to keep it to himself. He's not going to share it. No, he's going to show, that's the third, he's going to show the Ethiopian who Isaiah is talking about. Philip, circle, he opened his mouth. Oh my goodness, Lord, could we please do that? Could we please learn how to open our mouths and share the gospel? 
And beginning with his scripture, he told, circle that, he told. He's showing the Ethiopian the good news about Jesus. Now, Luke doesn't give us the details of everything that he shared with the Ethiopian about the gospel. That's not Luke's purpose. He knew, he knew he shared the good news about Jesus. What he, I, I get the feeling reading this about the Jesus on the Emmaus Road with the two disciples. It says, he opened the scriptures and showed them everything. That's what Philip did. It doesn't say how long it took, but he did it. And the Ethiopian became a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm 100% sure of that. How do I know? Because of the next couple of verses. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? See, he would know as a half proselyte that when Gentiles came to faith in Christ, they were baptized, not to be saved, but to witness their salvation, to give witness to what had happened. And so he, this guy has accepted the Lord. He said, what do I do now? I want to be baptized. Why? Because he, if Philip had heard Peter say, you need to repent and be baptized. Philip himself, back in chapter 8 with the Samaritans, said they were being baptized. So that's the, the normal procedure back then was you accepted Christ and you were baptized. Verse 38, he commanded the chariot to stop. They both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord, there's the Spirit of the Lord again, carried Philip away. There he goes. He's given another mission. Okay, we're done here. What, what I brought you here to do, you've done. Now it's time to go. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. He'd gone to Jerusalem seeking God. He was reading from the Bible. He, he wanted to know who this was, and he found out it was the Messiah. And he was saved. And he went home rejoicing. You never know. Irenaeus, the great Greek bishop and writer and philosopher, in his writing says that this man, the Ethiopian eunuch, became a missionary back to Ethiopia. And that he went back and shared the gospel there. And an interesting fact I found while I was studying for this passage I never knew this. We think that the gospel went from Palestine up into Europe, and the Ethiopian church had a Bible 800 years before the King James Bible was written. Wow! Ethiopia was evangelized probably by this guy. You never know who you share the gospel with, what's going to happen with that person and what they're going to do. Never forget, after preaching one Sunday morning up at my church, they, uh, we had missionary week, and the missionary from the Philippines was there, and he came up and he said, hey, Bob, I want to thank you. I said, hey, great, what's going on? He said, well, you're the homiletics professor uh, up in the mountains of the Philippines. That's the art of preaching, homiletics. I said, What? He said, you know those service tapes you send us of all the services? You bundle them up and send them every month. I've been taking those up into the mountains of the Philippines, and the pastors up there are learning how to preach from your sermons. And I broke down in tears. 
I didn't know that. I was just fumbling and bumbling through what I was doing in my little pulpit. And here, God was taking that to a country I've never been. You'll never know who, who the people you meet tomorrow, how God wants to use them to change the world for Jesus Christ, but we tend to walk on by. Philip didn't walk on by. Verse 40, Philip found himself as Azotus, and as he passed through, <laughs> of course he did, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea, and we'll find him again 20 years later, living in Caesarea with four daughters, preaching the gospel, Philip the evangelist. Wow. What a story. You and I are called to be part of God's plan to share the good news of Christ with our world, and we won't know the outcome of our obedience until maybe we get to heaven. Just imagine Philip learning what that one encounter in a desert place with a a black man from Africa would change the world for Christ. As I said at the beginning, and let's face it, lifestyle evangelism is hard. If it wasn't, we would all be doing it every day. It would be second nature to us. The enemy doesn't want us to share. I don't want to fail. I don't want to be rejected by my neighbors. I don't want to lose my relationships with my family and friends. I feel inadequate at times in sharing my faith. So what can we do? Well, first of all, could I ask you to take a moment to remind yourself, who was it that led you to the Lord? Who was that person that shared the gospel with you? They were sent by God to you. That's how much God loved you. He sent that person to you. And luckily that person knew and that person showed you the gospel. Secondly, we need to go back to the ABCs of kindergarten evangelism and learn how to do it. If you look on the screen, I'm going to put up a slide here. This is what we're forming. They're called life-to-life -life groups. We're in the second year of the East Shift training in our church. There are 10 of us who are going to be leaders of small groups and, and, and to take you through this starting in a couple of weeks. You can go on the app. You can go to the Welcome Center. You can find out when the 10 groups meet, and you can sign up for one of them. There'll be, it's an 18-week course, six before Christmas, six before spring break, six after Easter. We'll meet for an hour and a half once a week. My group's going to be meeting on Wednesdays. I see there's some meeting Sunday afternoon. There's one meeting Thursday morning. They're throughout the week. In your bulletin, if you picked one up, there's also a place where you can go to learn about it and sign up. Take a step and come to our classes. Come to our groups and learn how to know the gospel in a way that you can share it. As I said at the beginning, April 26, 1986 was a life-changing day for me when in spite of Geraldo, God showed me it wasn't my responsibility 
to lead people to a conversion in faith in Christ. Rather, it's my response is simply go, know, and show. There was another day that transformed my life and my relationship with God. It was January 24th, 1978. I was a young businessman in Iowa, married almost six years, a one-and-a-half-year-old daughter. It was just five months after my conversion to Christ. I was, a, I was a new Christian. It was one of the saddest days of my life when my mother-in-law, Jean's mom, died of cancer. Lymphoma. We had two months warning and she died at the age of 56. My daughter would never know her grandmother. She was a godly Christian woman, and I know I'll see her again someday. I couldn't understand why, God. That was my first personal experience with the word cancer. That ugly, ugly disease. My brother here has been raising money this week. I've seen you on Facebook doing that. God bless you. We've all been touched by cancer, haven't we? How many of you, family member or yourself or someone, been touched by cancer? Let me see your hands. It's everywhere. I hate that disease. I've buried too many people from that disease. So to honor my mother-in-law, I decided to become a volunteer for the American Cancer Society. Just went down to their office and said, hey, what can I do? And they had me start doing little things, and I did more, and I did more, and I did more, and they found out that I was a pretty good public speaker. And so I was chosen to be the state crusade director for the state of Iowa, to go around the state, give speeches, and raise money for the American Cancer Society. What a privilege. Every day I thought about my mother-in-law. Well, because of that, because of that position, Gene and I were offered to go to the National Convention in Atlanta, and we went, and what a neat place it was. They always brought in celebrities. Some of you are too young to know the celebrities. They were Robert Schuler and Danny Kay, okay? Danny got up and danced for us. I remember that. And it was so exciting that year because they announced, they had keeping it hidden, we think we found the cure to cancer. Oh, I mean, everyone stood up and started cheering and cheering and cheering. We've got a new drug. It's called interferon. It's going to change the world. It's going to cure all the cancer in the world. And we were cheering. We were jumping up and down because we found the cure the cancer. So after they refined it, all you had to do was take the vial and fill it up, and then you just go around and give everybody a shot. And cancer would be gone. But guess what? It wasn't the magic bullet. It was a good drug. It, it helped people. Some cancers it helped. But it wasn't the cure-all. Now just imagine, 
Imagine with me for just a minute. Imagine a person working at a lab this week at Eli Lilly creates a drug, finds a drug that cures cancer. Wouldn't we be jumping up and down? Wouldn't we be out giving a shot to everybody we know? Because cancer could be eradicated. What a shame if we kept it to ourselves. And didn't tell anybody that we had the cure. There's another cancer in the world called sin. And a lot of the people God's going to send you to tomorrow are living in sin and dying apart from Jesus Christ. Are we going to keep it? Well, I've got it. I'm okay. I've been cured. Or are our hearts going to break? The people we see tomorrow don't have it, and they need Jesus Christ. People all over the world are dying from this cancer of sin, and they're eventually going to die from it. And we have the cure, and we have the syringe bottle, and yet we keep it to ourselves. God forgive us. If you've never shared your faith with another human being, you're missing out on the greatest elation you'll ever feel in your life when you see that person accept the Lord. I've been there. Could you think for just a moment who is in your life that has the cancer of sin and needs the gospel? Just come up with a name. Ask the Holy Spirit to send you like they sent Philip. And then when he does run, go to the chariot. Find out what they know. Do you know what you, you know about God? No. Well, let me show you who Jesus is. Pray that God would show us who he wants us to go to and how to share that faith. Let's all ask the Spirit to send us like Philip to know who need the gospel, to those who need the gospel. Let's go. Let's know, let's show, and trust God for the results. Amen? Father God, you have given us the greatest gift that was ever given, the free gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you that someone came into our life and shared that with us. Send us, Lord. Send us out this week. Help us go through the training. Help us know how to share our faith if we don't know how. Help us be bold. People are dying all around us. They need the cure, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We'll give you all the glory and the bold 
in the mighty name of the risen Christ. Amen.